Welcome to the 10th season of Delving Into Dance. In this season, the Australian Youth Dance Festival Youth Ambassadors take over the interviews to explore youth dance practice taking place both in Australia and further afield. You will hear interviews from Dan Riley, Anna Kenrick, Adam Rutherford, Adam Wheeler, Apana Nagesh, Katie McCarthy and Isabella Stone. Each interview stretches a different aspect of youth dance practice presented against the backdrop of the Australian Youth Dance Festival taking place in Melbourne in July. This season has been produced in a partnership between Oz Dance Victoria and Delving Into Dance with the aim of expanding the conversation of youth dance practice, recognising the central role that youth dance has in a healthy dance ecology. This interview is with Isabella Stone and I. Isabella is a very kind and hopeful person. She trusts that by the time she is 50, she will be at the peak of her creative and physical abilities, which for me was quite an eye-opener as I never really thought about what my life could be like at that age. She was a pleasure to interview as her answers were not just on a short span, they covered everything, and as a youth dancer, that allowed me to really see what it is in dance that draws me towards it. I started by asking, what are some of her experiences in dance? Okay, so I first started dancing. Officially, you know, I went to a few jazz classes um, and tap classes as a very young person. I must have been seven or eight. And I enjoyed going to the classes, but when it got to the concert, um, the costume that they wanted to put us in at that age, I didn't like it was something quite short and quite small and I came home and told mum that I wouldn't go on stage in such a small amount of clothing. So, um, and I decided at that point it must have been an energetic thing in reflection but there was something that was different about the energy of the performance to the energy of the classroom that obviously scared me. So um, I stopped going to dancing after that. And then when I went to my local high school, I went to a public high school, Balcata Senior High, they had a dance program and it wasn't, um, oh, was it an excellence program? I can't remember. Anyway, I had always liked moving, so mum just suggested trying it out. And I uh, did the audition at the end of year seven and there was another girl that I met at the audition. Our dads were friends because they both worked on radio together and she had done no dancing but she was a figure skater, so we became friends at the audition. So then when we turned up to the first day of school and had both gotten into the course, you know, we kind of bonded because a lot of the other girls had really, you know, amazing and phenomenal, like they were in, like it was, um, there was a lot of jazz, there was a lot of acro. So I kind of, yeah, dancing for me started at high school. It was one class a day. You'd either do jazz or contemporary or... um, I don't know, did we do tap? We did a little bit of ballet, but actually everyone kind of <laughs> pushed ballet out of the high school system. Um, but I met my first contemporary dance teacher at high school. Her name was Danielle Rock, and she still teaches at a high school in Perth, actually. But I loved her and her classes. Um, and then she started these classes on Tuesday and Thursday evenings, actually. So we'd do one contemporary class an improvisation class and a choreography class. And the three classes were spread out over the two nights. Um, So there was a lot of play and there was a lot of socialising. But, yeah, I feel like that's where 
dancing started really was at high school and largely as a fun sort of social thing. Lovely. Um, do you think your knowledge of dance at a young age helped you succeed in your career? I don't know if it's the the dancing itself as in like the, I mean, I'm sure the technique has helped in some ways. So from high school, it was my final my final year of high school. I had a gap year between high school and WAPA because I, I wasn't successful in my first audition. Um, and then I, um, in my first year of WAPA, I was a member of STEPS Youth Dance Company for that period of time. And so I'd say the combination of these classes that I went to um, throughout high school and largely the improvisation and choreography classes and then my experience of being at STEPS, it's that um, exposure to being in collaboration and having, um, you know, being given task work and having to be creative and strategic and ultimately that's where I fell in love with dance. It maybe I loved doing the moving, of course I that's an enjoyment thing, but I wasn't necessarily driven because I wanted a career as a performer. I was always sort of attracted to understanding other people and asking questions about, I guess, how I make sense of myself or make sense of going, being a part of the world. And I was interested in asking those questions through dance. So I think that's why improv and Corrie were attractive. And I would say it's those that range of skills to uh, be adaptive. So, yeah, to be adaptive and responsive, responsive that have helped me in my career. I think all of that exposure to that broad thinking as a teenager is what, yeah, has kept me going. Mm. Well, um, when you were trying to get into WAPA, did you have the help of maybe a teacher or whoever that would help you become accepted? Uh, yes. So, um, Danielle Rock, this woman, and my director of steps at the time was Danielle Mitchich. Um, I'd say they were both big helpers in me being successful. I actually went along to the first audition to keep a friend company. I wasn't necessarily convinced that it was what I wanted to do. Um, but then when I wasn't successful the first time during my gap year, I kept dancing, but again, more as a social thing. I really loved the group of people and I loved that that environment wasn't anywhere else in my life. Um, but yeah, I thought about it more and I hadn't done much ballet. In fact, I'd done barely any ballet. So um, Danielle Mitchich, I remember she took me for a few private ballet classes before the audition to help me out. Um, and then Danielle Rock actually helped me kind of compose you had to make a solo for the audition and I think in the end it was the composition of the solo and being able to talk about choreography in the interview that got me across the line in a way yeah nice um what were some of the experiences that you encountered with that you feel made you the dancer and choreographer you are today as in while I was at university yeah, um, I think, well, there's a few things. First first thing that comes to mind is the people. So it was meeting um, the other people in my year, two of which I would say 
um, Emma Fishwick and Ella Rose True have become not only my good friends, but I think the three of us have continued to work closely together. Um, so I think we've, uh, in a period after leaving university where things, I don't know, you know, we thought we didn't have any work, we sort of kept each other going and perpetuated uh, the beginning of each other's sort of interest and careers and directions that I think we went off in. And then as well as um, the experience meeting classmates, there are certain, the exposure to certain teachers and, you know, um, teachers and choreographers that sort of came in and I had an amazing experience with that might have only been making that certain work that we performed or they only came in for a semester and could do a semester of teaching. There were some very transformative people in that area, but then also um, some of the core teachers at the university have, I guess, like now I would say that they're my friends, but um, over the years and particularly in that time, the kind of conversations we had and the support that they gave me and uh, the help that they gave me an understanding that I could be interested in the performing, but I could also be interested in the choreography and that uh, the belief that I could pursue the two at the same time. I think that experience was really great. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the experience, I had never done training at that level before in kind of anything in my life. Like I was always active as a kid, but I wasn't a competitive sports person um, so physically I moved, but I wasn't physically driven. I always went to sports clubs or dancing because I liked socialising. So when I entered that sort of arena at WAPA where it was, you know, you were re like really you were physically working. I remember, you know, I started eating heaps of, like I was just hungry all the time and I was tired and I didn't understand. But that sort of experience to find that rigour and that drive for working and that um, the importance of kind of self-teaching and self-learning in those environments when they're quite busy, they're chaotic, there's lots of people for teachers to talk to and attend to. Um, maybe you get a choreographer that isn't so interested in you but you're interested in them, so it's like, okay, how do I work through this process? Um and how do I still make it enjoyable for me and get the most out of it? It's all of that, the experience of that, um, yeah, showing up every day, being attentive, being interested in what you're interested in, being curious about the people around you and really developing that skill to kind of self-teach and self-learn. Um, I think that has been very important to kind of keep me going to where I am now, yeah. Uh, after finishing Whopper, did you know exactly where you wanted to go from there, whether that was through dance or not? Um, in the middle of my second year at university, I was quite convinced that I was going to leave. <laughs> um, it was a lot, but I had many phone calls with Ella Rose when she went back. She's from Canberra, so she was at home at that point in time and we had a lot of phone calls and I decided to come back and I think it was when I came back halfway through second year that I just sort of said to myself, okay, this is it. Um, I do really love this thing, but if I'm going to keep going through this, it 
it's going to be for some time. And I don't know what that meant or what it looked like. Um, so when I got to the end of third year, yeah, I wasn't ready to leave Perth. Um, I still had lots of friends outside of dancing that I was very attached to and I'm in some ways quite a home body. Um, uh, so I knew that I wanted to stay here for a while. We also graduated at a time where the state had, it was quite rich in its funding at our time of graduation. So although there wasn't, and there wasn't company work to be had, and I think I f- knew that um, I wasn't necessarily preened or it's different now, but if I'm honest, when I graduated, I didn't think I was good enough to be a company dancer. And the idea of doing an audition and having to do a kind of display technical excellence petrified me because I knew what I was good at and I um, felt like my skills are greatest in a collaborative process or in a room where there's discussion as well as performing. And once I get on stage, it's fine. But um, that thing of having to perform class work, I always found difficult. So, yeah. Company wasn't going to be for me at that point. So, yeah, I just, but I was determined and class used to run five mornings a week in Perth at that point. So I'd get up and go to class every morning and I just sort of would turn up and I think I did every single workshop with Strut Dance between 2011 and 2014 or 15. So, yeah, I would sign up to everything. Um, Emma, Ella and I went overseas, we um, would perform at this annual season shortcut. So it kind of to keep us going, I started making work. Um, So yeah, that's what I mean. Between Emma, Ella and I, one of us would make work, one of us would perform. And then there were some graduates um, in the couple of years below me who stayed in Perth, who I was always interested in them as performers, having watched them at the university. So when they graduated, I started making work on them. So, yes, I think there was lots of uncertainty, but in reflection now I was obviously quite certain that I wanted to be making work and I wanted to be in the dance community, so I was kind of saying yes to anything that kept me in that place. Yeah. Uh, Well, when choreographing, where does your main focus go towards when creating a dance or a piece of movement? Ah, I think it's in storytelling as as um, vast and vague as that answer can be. But, yeah, I think it's how do you communicate? I don't, mm, it's difficult to answer that. Um, yeah, I, I think it is in storytelling. So it's in telling some sort of story, whether that's, I wouldn't say my works are strict, like, you know, classically narrative, Um, but they definitely have some sense of journey, beginning, middle and end. Um, And when I'm in the room and watching, yes, I am watching the movement, but I, uh, I think as long as there seems to be a collective energy between the dancers, I'm not going to clean something in terms of like limbs or pointed feet I'll I like will pay attention to timing and rhythm and detail 
in like the detail of the rhythm and timing. Um, and then I think my other big interest is between the is the relationships between the performers. Um, I don't know whether that's through looking at each other or whether that's through them dancing together spatially, timing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all that really... I mean, I think that's what most choreographers are doing. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I don't... I think it's in the... It's in the relationships and the storytelling more than I say the interest is on creating highly... Um, I don't know, skilled, virtuosic sort of movement. I'd say it's more in the performance and the structure that I am attracted to those things. Ooh. But that makes it sound like those things are separate and I also don't think that they're separate. So, um, you know, the movement and the space and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, if that helps. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. What do you think is so exciting about dance or even just youth dance? I think youth dance is exciting. Um, I don't know. I've always found, I find young people fascinating. I think that period of time in your life growing up is when you're, I mean, people are asking like quite big questions and there's lots of information coming in. So you're sort of like a sponge at the same time. You can be, well, and this is all from a personal reflection, you also sort of resist certain information because you, um, you're developing a sense of self. So the thing I love about youth is listening to all of the questions getting asked. I also love that... Um, Youth dance for me was a place where, yes, I had lots of friends, but there was a certain part of my soul or my being that came alive in the community of youth dance that didn't feel like it was fostered anywhere else. So I feel like I stumbled into this place where I was like, oh, this is like a real sense of belonging in my whole being, like in my moving body and my thinking body. And I could ask silly questions and that wouldn't be laughed at and I could be my very performative, forward, outgoing self and that would be welcomed, but I could also be very quiet and very observing and people understood that. So, And I think now in working in youth dance, there's that energy that still exists there. So I know with the companies I work with, that's the kids, yes, they come to dance, but they also love coming because they really love hanging out in that group of people. So I think that, um, yeah, that sense of community and family that exists in the friendships is really beautiful to watch and that excites me. The questions being asked both, you know, when you talk to people but also when they're moving and they're working together is fascinating. I love watching... Um, like senses of uh, like a sense of leadership or a sense of support person or a sense of like designer like it's like all these little strengths come out in youth dance particularly once you start working on a show like you're really I feel like I really notice some people want to lead the group and they want to talk about the movement and they know it you know a bit like we jokingly call people dance captains 
but then um and because there's always a mixed range of some people really take on that carer role and making sure that everyone's understanding and they're like coaching from the inside or from side by side with people some people really want to talk about like concept and design and story and so then you end up on these big kind of long extended trippy sort of um I don't know like um sort of philosophical but also sometimes like dreamlike stories and I think that's great and then some people really want to talk about the space and they're pushing objects around or directing people so yeah it's like you see everyone's how they look at the world really comes out in the room when you're making the dance and I think that's fascinating that there's a space where young people can start to understand those things about themselves and yeah and be challenged to maybe take on the characteristics of another person or be interested in another person but that everyone's got the time to ask questions and be listened to yeah 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 well um well um choreographing and even being a youth dancer yourself obviously would mean that you would have worked closely with other youth dancers do you think that they can evolve dance into something different because of their age yeah, I think so. I think if you were to spend time in the studio with them and the way that um, the collaborative processes work at the moment when I'm, um, when I'm working for um, this company, with the youth company, um, I think that's where they're, where they're developing dance into something else. Or, I don't know, I'm sure that, and by that I mean that I think there, there's a lot of conversation around bigger social topics, around um, political things, around what's inspiring them. We talk about what's happening at school. So that's what I mean. This space has been created where there's lots of time for asking questions and sometimes it's not necessarily about the dancing but the other thing that is expected and accepted is that there's time for listening so it's all of that belief that actually everything that's going on informs the way that you do the dancing and what you're creating um you know and we talk quite conceptually with some of the seven and eight year olds and I think that that's fascinating because I you know they're totally capable they keep up and they're really they're really on board with kind of all of that conceptual thinking which I think is fascinating when they're um so young and I mean I don't know there could be many other situations in their lives that that's given to them but I don't know if I was given that experience so much at a really young age so yeah and I think there's some really great leaders in that group and whether or not it's through dance um, but, uh, no, I won't answer that. Um, yeah, can they make dance something different? Yeah, that whole element of imagery and visualisation that exists in dance, like I think there's lots of people that accept that the moving is really important and the understanding of being a great dancer is important but I think they're also really learning that the sensitivity and the performance and the engagement in imagination in storytelling how can prop and imagery and design support your ideas like I think they're really starting to think about all of those things so if they were to continue in dance yeah I think it would be 
interesting. And some of them are very, you know, like they're really brave. Like they love like talking and singing and like doing, you know, that we we ask them to do something and they'll just say yes. And I go, oh, wow, like if that space is there for people to feel that brave, then, yeah, I think they can go forward to do lots of yeah. things. Yeah. Um, when you travelled to Europe, do you think it allowed you to see certain parts of contemporary dance that we don't have here in Australia? Yeah, I do. I remember one of the biggest things that um, became apparent to me in Europe was, um, or what made me hopeful was that I saw a lot more people performing well into their 40s, 50s and 60s and it was quite common. Um, and I hadn't and maybe haven't had the experience of seeing that so much in Australian dance. Um, so this sense that you could have a career as a performer well into your um, later years was really inspiring and also really beautiful because the inherent sense of... Um, the qualities that come out with time and with age are really beautiful and I was attracted to that even as a, you know, I think I came back at 22 and was telling everyone that I thought that I was going to be my best performer when I was 50 because I, I was like, yeah, things just get better with age. Um, what was the other thing? Yeah, um, there was a, there's just so much. I remember being, um, feeling quite, saturated and quite surprised that you could go to a show you know almost every night depending on what city that you were in but there was this availability and of performance and I was it was great and things from really really small scale to quite you know to kind of the big world names that you see and the ability to dream big in some of those bigger companies, like the sets and the design and the imagery was unbelievable, you know, like whole theatres feeling like they're collapsing and transforming right in front of you. Um, and also just the range of, if we're talking about movement, like physicalities. So, sure, I saw some really extreme, athletic, totally... Um, powerful performances but then also some very slow I don't know almost like just like you were watching pedestrian street scenes unfold in front of you but they were performed you know depending on whatever the work was performed with this it's almost like um uh, like the intensity and the detail gets turned up on a I don't know, while you're sitting at the train station watching people pass, like that ability to still remain so relatable and so human but be such a phenomenal mover that you make me as an audience feel like anything is possible but also I can relate to you kinesthetically in a movement way but also in terms of sensation and maybe the... Mm, um, the emotion that's going with it, it doesn't feel far away and in a mythical sort of fantasy land. Yeah, it just remains very human in a way. Um, but, yeah, it's just the just the range of stuff and, you know, some really extreme stuff like 
lots of nudity. I think the year that we went overseas with my honours group, we went to this certain festival in Spain and let's say we saw like 10 works, nine of the 10 works that we saw the performers ended up nude, which it didn't, like I wasn't phased by it, but I do remember that being a reflection where I'm like, oh, okay, so the way that the body is understood and shown is quite different depending on the cultural and kind of social understandings of the city that you live in and you grow up in. Yeah, so the way that, you know, you can go to... um, I I don't know if it's ever... I mean, I haven't been to every city in Europe, so I shouldn't say that, but you travel a lot and this thing of, like, nudity isn't such a big deal in lots of big European cities and the body is just accepted as the body and it's kind of beautiful in all its ways, but um, that also translates into the theatre and onto stage. And I do remember being... I feel like I was really excited by that, actually. Yeah. Um, What do you feel is a big topic in everyday life that can only be shown, talked about or explored through dance? I don't know if dance is the only... I don't know if there's a certain thing that only dance can explain, but I think what only dance can do is provide a space for people to have a kinesthetic response to something and to be given a place to meet their body in watching another body move and ask the questions that the performer is or choreographer is putting forward through their body and through the experience of watching the dance. And I think that sense of questioning without talking and without um, language as we know it through conversation and through writing is a really is a really worthwhile way of questioning what we're doing and how we exist in the world. But I yeah, it just requires a sense of time and a sense of patience and listening that yeah, in the current moment, maybe not all of us um, have a practice of asking questions with all of those things. Yeah, and it requires reflection. I think that's the fascinating thing about performance. Yeah, so I don't know if it's that there's a big topic that only dance can do, but I think what only dance can do is provide this certain way of asking questions, and I think that's why it's a really amazing form yeah yeah um as i have now learned that no matter what you do or how well you may do it everyone has influences who are some of your influences and why do you think they influence you um whether your influences are through dance or not wow that's it's such a nice question to be asked but i could um there's so many I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is people. (laughs) Um, And like I've mentioned, um, Emma Fishwick and Ella Rose, who are two of my peers and my best friends, would be big influences. I still credit those early teachers, Danielle Rock, Danielle Mitchich, Alice Holland was actually 
she took my audition to get into high school dance. Um, and I didn't see her for a few years following, but she was an assistant on one of the steps projects that I did over the years. She was an assistant choreographer and then became a teacher and I've worked with her since. Um, and I think she would be another one. Sue Peacock and Michael Waits are the two teachers at WAPA who have were not only my teachers, have become friends. Um, Sue, I've talked a lot about choreography with. She was uh, my mentor on my first major work and she actually made a work on Ella and I in 2011 when we first graduated. And so she definitely has influenced my choreographic style and the way I look at choreography. Influences. There's a French choreographer who has been to Perth quite a bit and I was fortunate enough to get to perform two of his works, Didier Theron. And although they were not um, the longest period of time spent with a person, his movement quality is really, the memory of it is really strong in my body. Um, and, yeah, the way he teaches class and speaks about performance, I would say he's a very big influence on me. Who else in recent times? Oh, look. I, I devour a lot of reading, so I, a lot of books, um, and I would say, <laughs> and whatever artist I'm, whatever um, oh my gosh, author I'm reading at the time generally has an influence, even if it's subconscious, over what I'm making. And I also do this thing where I, I can be quite addictive as a person, so generally if I read one book of someone and like it, then I feel like I need to read their entire kind of um series of books um there's a there's a woman named Brené Brown I guess you would say she's sort of she's a what does she call herself a social researcher an American woman she got famous for her TED talk on vulnerability but also I've over the years have read a lot of her books I'd say she has um influenced me recently maybe not in terms of my work but in terms of how I look at um what sort of space do I want to create while I'm teaching or while I'm working and what's important and how do I practice listening? Um, certain artists, um, Sally Gabori, who's um, a beautiful Indigenous artist. I saw the works of hers at the NGV Australia a few years ago and um, you know, I just, I remember spending ages in the gallery and standing in front of one of her particular paintings, um, and crying. Um, yeah, the way that she used colour and, um, she's actually passed away, but she also created a lot of her works in her 80s. So also that thing of, you know, the, the, art isn't just pursued at a certain age, it's just how you be in the world. Um, but yeah, her artworks, I would say, are big influences in terms of their movement and colour and texture and sometimes I'll just spend time looking at the book daydreaming about stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, also sometimes just... 
have this thing where I tend to end up being a person that people love to talk to in public places. And I, and I quite enjoy it. But, um, you know, we went on a regional tour recently and I was sitting outside in the shopping centre waiting for the others talking. And this woman, she was so... She was so funny. She had this, like, big knitted jumper on in, like, different shades of purple. Um, and we're in Narragin, which is just inland southeast, I think, in WA. I'm terrible with directions, don't ask. But just on the edge of the wheat belt. And, yeah, and this, like, great, like, really tightly curled bright red hair. And she just she was telling me all about her friend that she was going to visit who's been diagnosed with cancer and she bought her a $10 gift voucher for Coles and she thought that this friend could get some new socks. And so then we had a bigger conversation and we talked about her being a big Docker supporter and stuff like that. But anyway, interactions like that are quite common for me. Um, You know, even if I think of like Uber drivers, I often end up having great conversations with Uber drivers about arranged marriages and all sorts of funny things. So in some ways it's those little, those interactions that, make me come back into the studio and want to ask certain questions actually so sometimes it's just the random bus ride or the seeing something peculiar or when you sit on the seats on the train and you're traveling backwards instead of forwards and that sort of stuff thank you for listening to this episode i am Paige carr one of the youth ambassadors and i also interviewed adam wewa and adam rutherford you can find out more about the aydf festival online Episode notes for this episode are at delvingintodance.com. You can also find both Delving Into Dance and Dance Victoria on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe for more podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and many other podcast platforms. You can find many podcast episodes on the archive. Some of my favourites include Joshua Pether's interview as well as Cheryl Stock. Thank you for listening and for stepping into this new experience with me. Live creatively and remember falling is one of the ways of moving.